Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am your host, Gary Grambling. We have, uh, look, yes, we have more Tom Brady speculation to talk about. So we're going to talk about that. We're, we're going to talk about uh, sort of the the front runner among the non-Patriots and, and the scenario there. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of free agents we didn't really touch on earlier in the offseason, but a couple of guys who are getting a ton of buzz who want to touch on. And we have a couple of actual, like, transactions to talk about. Trades signings they're all it's very exciting uh and for it all i'm joined by a very special guest my favorite special guest andy benoit andy welcome back hey gary how are you uh i'm good i'm good i'm i'm i I feel like we're in that period where we've been gearing up for this free agent frenzy for i don't know like a month now and it's still like two weeks away which is a little bit frustrating but also kind of fun well, it creates content, I guess. You know, it feels like, and, and I guess this is probably true because the franchise tags have not been fully applied to everybody, but it feels like a pretty good free agent class this year. 
It does. It really does. Uh, and and really, even even after you project some of the guys who will get tagged, because uh, you know we got a couple teams with some difficult choices to make about who they're going to tag, and that sort of tells you some guys are gonna uh, get out there. And of course, the the CBA negotiations are kind of I don't know the backdrop to this whole thing, and and maybe slowing it up anyway. But uh, we're gonna start with the guy who is probably slowing it up as much as anyone, and that's Tom Brady. Uh, Look, we've talked all offseason about how the quarterback market is flooded. Brady is probably going to be the first domino to fall, and then a lot of teams can decide what they want to do after that. But if you're looking at the Vegas odds, and we are uh, are absolute slaves to the Vegas odds, and we will listen to them, and and that is our Bible right there, but... uh, uh, Tom Brady's still favored to return to New England. If he's going to change teams, the team that he is most likely to go to, uh, and and this is also true in our reporting, uh, is the Tennessee Titans. So let's just sort of talk about that hypothetical scenario. If Tom Brady goes to the Titans, obviously the Titans are are going to be moving on from Marcus Mariota, and in this scenario would also move on from, from Ryan Tannehill. And I guess my first question to you, Andy, is... After seeing what Tannehill did in the second half of last season as the Titans starter, Brady's the better quarterback. Does it make a lot of sense for the Titans to be switching it up? Is Tannehill, as as a slightly better athlete, um, a little bit better fit in, in sort of the wide zone play action stuff? Or is this just, you know, am I just throwing out nonsense and it's an absolute no-brainer to sign Tom Brady if he wants to sign there? Well, I wouldn't call it a no-brainer per se because of what you outlined with Tannehill, and you know, you know, let's understand this first of all. Ryan Tannehill, he was as good on film as he was on paper last year, and I kept kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop a little bit. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, because you know, Tannehill did not have a great reputation in Miami. He's a fine guy. He just, I don't think anyone in Miami felt like he was a franchise QB at any point there. And when you plugged him into Tennessee, it had a they he he played like a franchise QB, and the system took care of him in a great way. It's a great marriage of quarterback and system, but it was not just the system carrying the day. And Tannehill's the guy that gets to throw the ball. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. We saw how good Tennessee was offensively once Tannehill was in the lineup versus before he was in the lineup. He's a better athlete than people realize, which is odd because he played wide receiver at a time in college, and we kind of forget that. Um, You can put him on the move. Your point about the wide zone and the mobility is a good one. I I wouldn't say that. I mean, Brady's certainly mobile enough still to run wide zone. It doesn't take a lot of mobility. I have heard of QBs that are not fast enough to get that stretch handoff anymore. Some people thought that was the case with Manning late in his career. Mm -hmm. They did more pistol stuff in Denver, if you recall. And and uh, I heard a little bit about Philip Rivers this year. Maybe he wasn't as fast enough to get wide zone going, and, and the Chargers didn't run a lot of wide zone because of it. I don't think that'd be an issue with Brady, though. But it's these are the kinds of discussions that the Titans are probably having. Tannehill, if we're talking about just the act of handing the ball off, Tannehill is a better handoff in a wide zone guy than Brady is. And that might seem laughable because... We're talking about handing the ball off, but when your backbone is wide zone and you run play action off of it, you you have to examine that carefully. That has I'm sure they've spent a lot of time in Tennessee looking at that, but I would imagine they would feel okay with Brady there. And then you have to also remember, if you're bringing in Brady, the system's going to take on the shape of him. That's yeah. what I, I got that wrong with Manning in Denver. I didn't think Manning would would 
thrive right away with the Broncos because there's a big adjustment. You can't just all of a sudden be the Indianapolis Colts, but you you could. It showed that, and I would imagine that's what the Titans would do is shape the system around Brady. Now, what's different with Brady versus Manning? Brady's run a lot of systems in his career. Yeah, and look, Brady's been in New England for two decades, and obviously not all those guys around him have been there for the full two decades, and, and maybe that's that was really at the root of the issue you had last year when you had Gronkowski rotate out and didn't really have a replacement for him. You had a bunch of, uh, you know, whether it was uh, uh, Nkeel Harry, the, the rookie first-rounder, who got off to a late start because of injury, or Mohamed Sanu, who they brought in midseason. Continuity seemed like maybe it was as big a problem as uh, the talent itself, because obviously they, you know, there are teams that just didn't really invest in their weapons. I think the Patriots did attempt to invest in their weapons; it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, going to Tennessee now, you have a, a whole new group of guys, uh, and I would, you know, I'd, I'd say it's probably a more talented group of guys than what they have in New England right now. Um, but realistically, you know, 20 years of, of sort of, uh, you know, tweaking and customizing this thing for Tom Brady, uh, can you do that in an off season with, uh, with the Titans? I, I, I think you can accomplish it in an off season. I think it's doable, especially because Tennessee's personnel would fit Brady really well. Adam Humphreys is the one who stands out as that slot receiver. He's a mm-hmm. Patriot style slot receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if New England had been interested in him in free agency a few years ago, in fact. Um, and then I think A.J. Brown for Tennessee is the type of receiver that can thrive in any system. He's he, he he's, on the, he's on the path to superstardom. And he and Debo Samuel are the guys with that run-after-catch strength that can do a lot of things for you. So they have the right type of players to fit what Brady has succeeded with before. The, the interesting one to me, Gary, would be Derek Henry because let's say you sign Brady with the understanding that we're not going to we might still be an outside zone wide zone foundation but eh, you know what they probably wouldn't be the same foundation you're going to do something different if you have Brady so all right we're less of a wide zone team than we were before Henry is at his best running wide zone we know the risk of signing running backs long term do we cut bait with a guy at the top of his career, at the top of his prime right now, realizing that our system's tweaking just enough. I'm sure they'd love to have Henry back, but you have to put dollars to all these guys. There's a finite amount that you can do here. All right. We're we're generally okay with the idea then when Tom Brady definitely signs with the Titans. <laughs> I I'm gonna I, I will never be not okay with somebody making Tom Brady their quarterback. So yeah, we're generally okay, but you know Ryan Tannehill. Let's not forget again, he, he was tremendous for them last year. And what do you, Gary? Do you think it'd be a factor of if they want to commit to Tannehill long term or not? Would that come into the equation, or do you think the Titans are viewing this as a one to two year investment either way? And Tannehill, they could see as a franchise tag recipient or something like that. I think with Tannehill, what you're doing with him is is you tag him, and then you you know you basically see him for another year. Uh, I, I think Tannehill could be their 
quarterback of the future. Uh, I, I think he also, you know, maybe comes back next year. And, and we find out that last year was just kind of a hot streak. You know, it was it was like a 10-game hot streak or wherever it was. And then they move on. Then they're back to square one, which obviously, as we've seen around the league, is is not a terrible place to be with the, uh, with the way the rookie wage scale works. And the rookie wage scale is not going away in the CBA. So, um it makes it makes a lot of sense. What doesn't make sense to me is like, okay, we're, we're gonna make a five year commitment to to uh, to Ryan Tannehill. I, I I don't think that would make sense. I think that's the option that uh, uh, I, I would cross off my list. And, and why why is that? Uh, I don't trust. I I don't trust that that was more than a hot streak at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him do that for. Uh, at least the majority of another year before I made a major commitment to him. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I, I could see that. That's probably fair. It, what's also unusual here is for when you don't get quarterbacks, probably every two or three years we have this conversation. Kirk Cousins obviously was the guy a few years ago that we talked about, and he was another wide zone system QB, by the way. Mm-hmm. How much of it's the scheme? How much of it's him? How do you value him? Um, Tannehill has better physical traits than Cousins, just to give people an idea and kind of a starting place in their mind there. That doesn't mean he'll be a better quarterback than Cousins. I think his ceiling is certainly much higher than Cousins. But what you didn't have in the Kirk Cousins scenario that you have here is a a stud running back who just carried you through the playoffs recently and a high-quality right tackle that you have to make decisions about you didn't have those variables mixed into it. That makes it much much harder in Tennessee because this stuff's all relative. It's the assigned one guy or the other. And then on defense, Logan Ryan at cornerback, in any other year, he would be a, a, a candidate for the franchise tag because you wouldn't want a guy like that to get away. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's stay in uh, the Patriots' sort of world here and uh i, I want to talk about two guys as i mentioned at the top of the show two guys we didn't touch on during our free agency shows earlier but two guys who are getting a, a, a lot of buzz and are going to get a lot of money here in free agency and uh the first one we're starting with here is uh is is guard joe tooney um look he he plays on the patriots so everyone knows him but uh uh he's not a guy with an eye-popping resume uh but it, if you you know if it, it, it seems that every organized football team in the world is going to try to sign him uh this this uh, offseason so I guess my question is how good is Joe Tooney I mean we're not we're not talking about like Steve Hutchinson here or something like that but um I mean is is he a break the bank type of guy or are we looking at, at another uh uh like a like a Andrew Norwell type of situation here that's a great question I forgot about Andrew Norwell and just to give people a refresher, Norwell in Carolina was regarded as this superstar left guard, and he really was never that. He was a quality player. He was never a huge, big-time, dynamic difference maker, but he had the reputation. People don't know a lot about guards. They don't know very many of them, and so somebody has to become the guy. Evan Mathis was like that years ago, too. The statistics showed he was outstanding, but within the NFL, nobody really offered Evan Mathis a big deal. Norwell got paid huge money. Where does Joe Tooney fall on that spectrum? Tooney has certainly improved every year of his career. There's no question about that. He is a good gap scheme blocker. In other words, he can man-to-man block, and he he's the guy on pull blocks in a lot of the gap scheme, power, counter. 
Uh, I think he can play in the wide zone type of scheme that we've talked about. He's a quality all-around lineman, so really the discussion becomes, there's two parts to it. It's one, how much do you value the left guard position? That's going to vary from one team to the next, depending on part B here, who's your quarterback? And let's remember, Tooney has played with one of the most offensive line friendly QBs in football. Everybody says, mm-hmm. well, Brady needs, you know, got to get to Brady, got to beat his interior O line. And, and that's true. But Brady also, that doesn't mean you're going to beat Brady. Brady has done a lot over the years to make his O line look better than it actually is with his pocket movement, his timing, how fast he is, how he sees things before the snap. All of that stuff camouflages an offensive line, much more than a scrambling QB can ever camouflage an O-line. Tooney has been the beneficiary of that. You don't hold that against him necessarily, but you certainly have to evaluate that part of it when you're deciding whether to pay this guy enormous money. How much of it was the system and the quarterback he played with? Yeah, it just seems like a lot of teams are. And I still question whether that's the best way to build your offensive line. Obviously, it's also, I don't know if there's a good way to build an offensive line. I mean, these guys are taken out of college. A lot of them are coming from systems where they just don't have to block for very long. Um, we've talked about it plenty over the years, but um, I don't know. The, the thought of paying big money to an interior uh, offensive lineman who is who is not sort of a, a in my mind a, a certain game changer. Uh, well, yeah, uh, I could see. That. I get that. And I, uh, any more, Gary? I'm starting to think, and it, it depends on the player, certainly. But I'm starting to think guards are more valuable than tackles in the NFL. Now, as an ultimately, what these guys are at the end of the day, you're paying them to be an insurance policy. Left tackle, right tackle guard. You're paying them for pass protection to keep the quarterback safe. You don't really scheme a whole lot with pass protection. The best you can do is ask a guy to block one on one, and there's a lot of value in that. Mm-hmm. But guards uh, schematically are easier to attack than left tackles or right tackles. They also, as we've talked about this before over the years, when you beat a guard versus being a tackle, beating a guard gives you a quicker path to the QB and it's more likely to be a disruptive play because you're in the face of the quarterback versus on the edge. Look at the difference that Aaron Donald makes in a game and how disruptive he can be to make it an extreme example. Now, that's that's the case for guards. I think there's a lot of hidden value there. The other part of it that people don't talk about is when you do want to diversify your scheme, you do that starting with your run game and then your pass concepts built off of those run concepts. And most of that comes from your guard position. You don't, you don't scheme around tackles in the ground game as much as you can scheme around guards. Look at what Quentin Nelson has done for the Colts and mm-hmm. how multiple they are because he can pull and go in any direction. Tooney can do that. He's not at Nelson's level. Nobody is, but Tooney can go in any direction. Zach Martin for Dallas. I think guards are every bit as valuable as tackles in most systems. We're going to uh, you know we'll talk about a, a guard for tackle trade that happened. It wasn't exactly yeah we will two guys, two guys at the same point in their careers or anything, but uh, uh, we'll get to that in just a bit. But uh, I do want to talk about the other side of the interior uh, trenches here, and that's uh, look. Andy was uh, Andy scoffed at me when I suggested that I thought this guy might not get big money. Um, Javon Hargrave, the Steelers nose tackle, <laughs> he is he is going to by all indications, uh, be a very wealthy man in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, Andy, I mean, look, 
you think of that Patriot, excuse me, you think of that Steelers defensive line, obviously like, you know, Cam Hayward and, and Stefan Tewitt are the guys who, who stood out and Hargrave seemed like more of a, a complimentary player. But, um, I mean, is he a star in his own right? And especially, is he a star if he goes somewhere, let's say like Indianapolis picks him up, uh, and and I'm not necessarily connecting that based on reporting, but uh, let's say he plays like three technique in an Eberflus defense. Is is he a potential star here? Uh, I think the position fits a big deal with Javon Hargrave. So he was basically a nose tackle for Pittsburgh. There's this conception that Pittsburgh's a two-gap defense, old school, three, four, they're really not. They they have mm-hmm. some of that in their system. They certainly do it more than most teams, but they do a lot of one-gap stuff as well. And it really, Gary Hargrave's been a big reason why. He can line up in a two-gap look and then play one-gap or vice versa. He moves. He is as nimble as any interior defensive lineman in the NFL who's over 300 and Oh, say over 300 pounds, because I bet you Donald's a little bit under 300 if yeah. you actually look at it. I could be wrong. Um but Hargrave is a tremendous athlete for his body type is the point I'm making. I don't know if that makes him a pure three technique. As a one technique, the guy who lines up slanted over the center, which is what you do in a 4-3, I think he can be a top two or three in the NFL at that position. That's what's going to get him paid. He fits. We know he fits Pittsburgh's scheme, hybrid 3-4. He can absolutely fit a traditional Eberflus style, to use this example, traditional 4-3 one-gap scheme. He absolutely could thrive in that. But to me, it would be as a one technique more than a three technique, but you can use them in a lot of ways. And what Pittsburgh did, and and this is why you're going to pay him as a one technique, as stunts and twists go, he was tremendous at covering gaps laterally after the snap so you can do a lot with your pass rushing scheme with him at the one technique and that's not very common in the NFL not at that position well that's why Andy scoffed at me when I yeah I would when, when I I, I just I, I I sort of raised an eyebrow at, at Javon Hargrave it, it surprised me when uh when I heard he was gonna get a ton of money here well, I, I can see why, because he fits. Remember, it's a number of schemes that you fit is a big part of this. We talked mm-hmm. about that with tight ends. Tight ends are they're, the great ones don't get top dollar necessarily because there's not as many teams bidding for them because not every team uses the tight end position the same way. That Now, that example was a little more valid a few years ago than it is now, but the, the, the concept, the point, not every team knows how to use a player like Javon Hargrave. Yeah. I, well, I think let me he, back that up. Let me back that up. Most I said that backwards. Most teams can use a player like Javon Hargrave. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other reason I, I was just a little bit skeptical about it was uh and 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 we usually talk about it this time of year is uh look, it, there's a lot of good interior defensive linemen in the NFL. It seems like that's always one of the strongest uh positions in the draft. It's maybe not quite as strong as the last couple of years. Uh, this year's class, but still a good class this year. It seems like you can find those guys, uh, maybe not at that level, but you can find good interior defensive line players uh, in, in a number of different ways. Um, and, you know, it's it's, it's kind of the, the same reason I'm still skeptical that someone's going to poach Robbie Anderson from the Jets in a year when it's, you know, this, uh, whether you're believed or not, basically historic wide receiver class coming out. Uh, I don't know if anyone's giving, uh, you know, 12 million a year to Robbie Anderson. So yeah. um, it did, obviously different situations and, and all that, but uh, well, that's and, and why. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. To, no, you, you, your point about Hargrave, though, one thing, because you asked, is he a three technique? He, and I said, well, no, he's not a pure three technique. I described mm-hmm. the one technique. On obvious pass situations, that one technique's not on the field. You, I mean, that guy it becomes a second three technique. You play with two three technique defensive yeah. tackles. So your point, you know, I, maybe I need to scoff a little bit. I still think he'll get paid a lot. But it's not a slam dunk for him. He might still be a, a hidden value because I don't know if every team – We'll see him as a top-notch three technique. I think he can absolutely play that position, but I, I there's not going to be 32 teams that agree on that. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's simplify this and talk about the things that have already happened this offseason. That's we had much a, easier. A, yes. Yes. It, it's uh, these th- these are in the books. We know that these guys are uh, going to new teams or, or in one case, staying with teams. But uh, uh, let's start with with a friend of the show, 
AJ Bouye, who oh, that's uh, right. yeah. joined us. We probably played that episode last last summer or so. Uh, but yeah, AJ Bouye, uh, look, the Jaguars are in salary cap jail. They were going to move on from Bouye one way or another. Uh, if they had to cut him, they would have cut him. But they do end up getting the fourth round pick from Denver. I'm, I'm sure there was something of a market for Bouye uh, as a good guy. But uh, look, Bouye in the Vic Fangio defense, I mean, it seems like he would fit pretty well as sort of a you know a, a guy who can uh you know play a little off coverage do some ball hawking uh it, it seems like this is a nice fit here in denver well what's what's really interesting is is fangio most people i think feel not most people but there are people who i respect immensely uh that feel that he has the best defensive scheme in the nfl and one of the reasons his scheme has evolved the way it has and what Fangio's scheme is in a nutshell, two deep coverages that play out in blurry matchup zone looks. They might turn out to be one deep coverage. They might stay too deep. You're, they're hybrid coverages. You're not exactly sure what you're seeing every time. And the reason Fangio's come up with all these coverages in part is because he's never had great cornerbacks to deal with. So he's always had to hide his corners, which is why he starts out and those two deep shells, because even when they're playing just one safety back deep, the way they line up, they want to make it look like on the weak side, it's still too deep so that the corner that, that the quarterback doesn't feel he can just go work one on one on that weak side over there. Mm-hmm. So it's all about hiding your corners as the way they play, as opposed to a lot of teams that just have good corners. They play one on one outside and let's blitz and disguise our stuff on the inside. That's not what Fangio does. Well, now they're paying money for a quality corner in, in AJ Bouye here. I'm not saying that's not worth it. You still want to take the good corner, but it's almost it's almost a luxury in Fangio's scheme. And it's also interesting that they're letting Chris Harris leave and bringing in Bouye because Harris worked out very well in their scheme last year. Yeah, what if you had to take one or the other? If you had the choice of Bouye versus Harris, and and look, Bouye is. Uh, uh, is younger. He is. Uh, he'll be 29 in August here. Um, so not young, but younger than Chris Harris. Uh, does that sort of tip the scales in Bouye's favor here? Maybe a little. Harris will be 31 in in August. He's, he's he turns 31 in June. So I mean, it's not a huge difference in age. Um, I, I boy, that's a hard one. Bouye fits their scheme. I, I will say that. I mean, I'm not at all criticizing the decision to go get him and trade for him. He fits what they want to do. And a lot of Chris Harris's value, although I thought he was very good outside last year, his value is that he can play outside or inside in man and zone. And remember, Denver, they didn't use him that way under Fangio. They signed Bryce Callahan from Denver thinking he'd be the slot. Callahan was never healthy. And even with Callahan not on the field, Harris continued to play outside for the Broncos last year. So they weren't they weren't getting the full value of Harris just by the way they felt they would use him and the guys around yeah. him in their scheme. Bouye's purely an outside corner. Well, I, I don't know. He did play the slot a little bit early in his career, didn't he, Gary? I forget about that. They're going to use him purely outside, and I think stylistically he probably fits what they're doing a little bit better than Harris. Yeah. Yeah, he played all over in Houston, so we'll uh... – well, we'll see how that plays out there. Yeah, but, he did. Uh, and Houston back then was doing a lot. They weren't doing the Fangio stuff, but they were doing hybrid matchup zone mm-hmm. stuff, where, you know, similar to what Fangio will have them do. You got to be smart to play in that system. I imagine Bouye is a pretty smart 
corner. I don't know that for sure, but you know, we, we had a great conversation with them. I came away feeling like he's a smart guy there and he's been in a number of different systems and has played well in all of them. So all the evidence suggests he'll be fine in that intellectual Fangio scheme. Yeah. I like to think he thinks the same way about us that he walked think he away even remembers us. Oh, do you yeah. think he'd remember us? Uh, I, I would, I would think he probably goes back and listens to that episode every, every now and then to remember yeah, the time sure. he was, he was on the air with us, but, uh, let's stay in the AFC West here. Uh, Austin Eckler gets his contract. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know if this is unexpected to anyone outside of maybe like fantasy football players that, uh, they kept Eckler and not Melvin Gordon. Uh, this is reportedly a, a four year, $24 million deal for the totals. Obviously we, we don't know that. We know that doesn't always hold up uh 15 million in guarantees just kind of a neat thing for a guy who uh made well under two million dollars for his first three years in the league as an undrafted uh rookie but uh i guess my question to you andy and 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 look austin eckler was wonderful last year um you talk all the time about how good philip rivers is at moving down to that check down and and that's obviously a big part of austin eckler's game we're not sure who the Chargers quarterback will be. Tyrod Taylor might be the bridge guy. Uh, it, it seems very likely they will go get a rookie if they don't. You know, I, I don't know if they'll get in the mix for uh, for Jameis or a, or a Cam Newton or something like that. But um, basically, have they just signed a guy who maybe lost a little bit of value considering the decision they just made at quarterback? Um, perhaps. I think Rivers this year his checkdowns at times had a different feel to them though. He was playing a little bit faster. And so, yeah, there were the checkdowns and I've always loved how Rivers is so good at getting to the checkdown quickly. Cause when you do that, you can get the defense while they're still backing up into zone. That's a great way to get that run after catch yardage, but there's a fine line between getting there quickly and getting there too quickly. And I think mm-hmm. Rivers crossed that line the wrong way a few times this year. So, and, and the result is Eckler is going to get some extra receiving yards because of that. What you can't see are the yards left on the field that could have been downfield for other guys, but the overall point, Eckler's a checkdown weapon. Yeah, he's absolutely a weapon there, and he probably gets diminished now because Rivers is no longer there, and whoever's going to come in next is almost certainly not going to be as good at getting to the checkdown efficiently as Rivers was. Having said all that, Eckler gives you the dimension to your scheme. So that's why he was more valuable to them than Melvin Gordon is. Is Gordon might be in a, in a vacuum. Gordon might be the better all-around down-to-down runner, but you don't play down-to-down running football in the NFL very much anymore. Even the Chargers, coached by Anthony Lynn, one of the a, a former running backs coach and running back himself and a great run game designer, even that team under Lynn has been more of a passing team than a running team. So it's who can flex out, who can give you teeth and empty formations, how can you invert your formations and get your wide receivers inside while still be threatening with running backs or tight ends outside. Eckler's a great answer to all of that stuff, and he gives you a jet action game as well. So I, I totally, I think it's a great value for the Chargers. This is a win-win because Eckler gets a lot more money and he's earned it. And the Chargers, to me, got a good value for this because what an important piece Eckler can be for them. And uh, sticking with the Chargers, we had a trade here. 
Russell Okung goes to the Panthers for Trey Turner. Uh, the Okung side of this, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but uh, you know, obviously he, he's an aging guy. He was he he's been hurt often over the last couple of years. Uh, missed ten games last year. The Panthers we anticipate are going into a a major sort of tear down and rebuild here. Uh, Okung is probably not in their long term plans. This seems like it was more of wanting to move on from Trey Turner's contract, perhaps. Uh, so I guess the question is, and, and look, we know the Chargers have had lots of problems on the interior line out there. Uh, Michael Schofield might not be back there, uh, so they might have a hole to fill anyway, even if you are one of those uh, sort of truthers who, who believe the Chargers were great on the interior. But uh, uh, <laughs> what is Trey Turner at this point? He's a guy with, you know, he, he's got he's got Pro Bowls on his resume, and um, he's still a young guy. I think this sort of caught a lot of people by surprise that the Panthers would move on from him. Well, he, he's been pretty up and down over the last couple of years. He's another example of what we talked about earlier. With you, Once you become famous as a lineman, you tend to stay famous. And Trey Turner got famous as a lineman early in his career as a, a bright, young-looking guard. And he became the guy that gets elected to Pro Bowls. And he earned some of those elections. And some of them were off of his early reputation. So he's been up and down a little bit in recent years for Carolina. I understand why they're wanting to do that. The other the other thing is the reason Carolina would want to acquire Russell Okung, and yeah, he's not in the long-term plans, but there were times last season, he's likely not, we don't know that, I guess, but he's, mm-hmm. even if he, let's say even if he's not in the long-term plans, there were times last season where Carolina's offense flat out was short-circuited because of inept left tackle play. So, is, and even though I'm the one saying, I think guards are as valuable as tackles, with any of these positions, if you have ineptitude concentrated at one of them, that it's hard to function. And it, so, no matter what Matt Rule and the new staff wants to do, you can't have your offense short-circuited. So, the guys that made this trade, Marty Herney at GM, they saw how bad things were for Carolina at times last year. They're saying, we don't want to have to deal with that. We've got them. Let's just do this. The Chargers were going to move on from Okung anyway, and as you said, they've had some issues themselves and the interior offensive line, so I think they felt like there was an opportunity here. They sensed an opportunity. It'll be interesting to see what they do with their run game stylistically, Gary, because I think they'd like to run more outside zone than than they have. Turner, and Turner can certainly do that, but Turner in Carolina, he ran a lot of that man-to-man blocking stuff. Yeah, I you know, it's funny when they made the trade, I was kind of thinking uh when you look at the draft this year, it's actually a really good offensive tackle draft at the top uh mm-hmm. which which is a rarity uh in recent years and then it obviously once you there's probably going to be a run in the first half of the first round and then you're really going to uh you know, you, you get more sort of developmental type of guys after that, but um I was kind of wondering like, oh, maybe they're going to grab one of these tackles and maybe they'll get into the uh sort of free agent market here at quarterback Maybe they don't love any of the quarterbacks. Maybe it's going to be, uh, like I said, maybe it's going to be Jameis or, or Mariota or, uh, you know, if Tannehill is on the move, maybe, maybe they'll grab one of those guys for a year or two and, and do it that way uh, out in L.A. But um, in Carolina, it's it's it sounds like it's going to be Greg Little moving inside. They're going to try him there, the uh, the second-round pick last year. And uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Again, it, it – it smells like a rebuilding process with the Panthers, although oh, I guess time. we don't yeah, know big for time. sure. Yeah, no, they're they're absolutely. It's a great it's a great chance to rebuild. Let's put it that way because yeah, 
you just lost Luke Keekley. You don't know what you have at quarterback. You have a new staff coming in with a long-term contract for the head coach. Mario Addison, we've heard, is hitting the market. Bruce Irvin's a free agent. Gerald McCoy's a free agent. So your entire pass rush, for the most part, is likely or probably, you know, possibly it's going to be gone. Your top corner is a free agent. This is <laughs> this is the perfect recipe for a rebuilding effort right now in Carolina. What do you think about James Bradbury, by the way? That's another guy we didn't really talk about who, um, I mean, look, cornerbacks are, are hard to find. I, I don't know if he's quite top tier, but he's sort of, uh, he's good and he's young. I think he can be used top tier. I would I would certainly understand if somebody signed him with the idea that he's a number one corner. He's traveled at times, and he, even though he's played in a predominantly zone scheme, I've always liked the way he, he matches up at the top of the routes, especially. I like Bradbury. Is he as consistent as a Stephon Gilmore? Yeah, probably not. But I someone's going to pay him to be their number one corner, and I'm going to understand why. All right, Andy. We've uh, this was sort of the the the, the I, I don't know what, what would you call it like the you know the, the the opening act of the free agent season. We get we got the big one coming up next week, I guess. All right, good. Yeah, but, yeah. By the way, I have a, a quick Joe Tooney story that I probably should have shared back there, and it's not an amazing story. In fact, it's very <laughs> anticlimactic, but that's the point of the story. <laughs> is uh, When I did that Rob Gronkowski piece a few years ago, was it Gron- – no, no, I think back. It was a Houston a piece about the Texans' diamond front yes. pass rush, yep. so five down pass rushers. Um, I didn't – I went to training camp for Houston for several days – I didn't get a lot out of the Texans guys. They, they, the Texans were great to talk with. I got everyone I wanted. Just not everybody was excited to talk about the details of the scheme, particularly J.J. Watt did not want to talk about the details of the scheme. So I went to New England a few days later knowing, like, I got to get something here in New England because otherwise I've got nothing here on this on this big story I went away for, for a few weeks to do. And Joe Tooney was one of the guys I talked to. And I said, okay, Joe Tooney, I'm kind of counting on you. I need something here. And Joe Tooney gave me less than nothing. And he was very pleasant about it. And the thing he did, I liked him. I came away liking him, and I totally mm-hmm. understood. And I would be the same way if I were him. But the, whenever I asked him anything about the previous season, and they were coming off the Super Bowl win against Atlanta there, um, anytime I asked anything about the previous season, he said, I don't, I don't remember. That was just so long ago. And I wanted for the life of me to say that wasn't that show i I know you're 24 (laughs) so like your life you know it feels a little longer ago to you than to me but that wasn't long come on don't bs me that was not say something else give me just say no comment even but um joe tooney stuck to that it was so long just feels so long ago and uh i got absolutely nothing from him on that him on that interview that day you know you know who saved the interview by the way there were two people that made the day saved the day for me there Oh gosh, who who would have been uh, on the Patriots interior at that point? Well, it wasn't so when I went outside the interior. These uh, are just general it, Patriots Nate, now. Nate Solder. Nope. Uh, Marcus Cannon. Marcus Cannon was he rivaled Tooney for t- taciturn. Yeah, prowess. He was, <laughs> and he was like that at the Super Bowl years ago. I remember Marcus Cannon's very tight-lipped. I've heard uh, when you know him, he's not. But if he doesn't know you, I heard. I think he's tight-lipped. Jimmy Garoppolo. No, because I, I. What would I have asked him? He was. He hadn't played at that point. Uh, Gronk. 
Nope, I didn't see Gronk that day. Uh, it's a Patriots know, guy. Though. I'm just running through the Patriots offense now. I know you are. Yeah. Well, I, one was Bill Belichick, and oh. and anything scheme related, he's he's the best at, of course. He, and, was, he was there at that point. That's right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Belichick is yeah. still around then. And then um, the other one was Julian Edelman. Okay. Edelman was fantastic. I came away thinking if if I lived around this area, <laughs> Edelman and I would be great friends. <laughs> They all be predicated on football too. It was a great. It was he's he was uh, so it all everything turned out fine. Joe Tooney didn't help me, but uh, Belichick and Edelman were great. There you go. Maybe maybe that's uh, you know if you're signing Joe Tooney, you you're gonna have some PR problems. Maybe gotta be better <laughs> with the media. All right, Andy. I feel this is just goodbye for now. Thank you for joining us once again. Yep, I appreciate you having me. It's always fun talking with you. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is me, Gary Gramling. Special thanks once again to Andy Benoit for joining me on this one. We are produced by Chevy Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.